righty, it's time for X Factor, the uh, second issue of the new look X Factor. Once again, I'm joined by my good friend Jeremiah, and we are going to break this thing down from cover to cover. How you doing this month, Jeremiah? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I'm a little warm because uh, it's it's Phoenix and it's April, which means it's very, very hot. Uh, hotter than I was preparing for. <laughs> I thought it was going to, I thought we were going to get a like maybe a week or two more of spring and... Uh, no, no, we didn't. We yeah. didn't. It's a, uh, it's we're we're in the triple digits, so it's a uh, not a pleasant thing here. Uh, now, before we hop into X Factor seventy two, how about you catch us up on what we learned last month? Okay, so in the previous issue, we were introduced to the new team um, that Peter David's putting together. It's Havoc, Polaris, Wolfsbane, Madrox, the Multiple Man, Quicksilver, and Guido. Mm. They're brought together by Val Cooper. And they're who's their government liaison and the issue ends with jamie madrox being killed by that i mean blown through an apartment window by a shotgun blast and his body is laying on the sidewalk at the end of the issue Mm -hmm. for sure for sure yes and uh it's we got the same crowd of people bringing us this issue it is uh number 72 just like everything we're going to be discussing today it has a november 1991 covered it Written by Peter David, pencils Larry Stroman, inks Al Milgram, letters Michael Heisler, colors by Glennis Oliver, edits Bob Harris, and the EIC is Tom D. Fee. Cool, cool. Yes, him. Uh, cover price, $1 US, uh, 125 Canadian, and 65 P's in the UK. How about, uh, how about you tell us about this cover here? This is a, uh, this is a bit of a crowd on this cover. Yeah, it's, it's Guido, Lorna... Havoc, Wolfsbane, Jamie Madrox's corpse, all surrounded by a crowd of people accusing X-Factor of asking why they killed Jamie Madrox. Um, The the cover, it doesn't really happen like this in the comic. No. um, And it doesn't feel all that special to me. It's sort of eye-catching the way it's done, I suppose. But it's busy. There's a lot of dark and black colors on it. Um, Lorna's hair stands out. Havoc's jacket. But it's it's just a it's a busy cover. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. It's uh, not one that I was ever really that fond of. Um, it, it, it not only because it doesn't reflect what actually goes down, but it, it's just really not pleasant to look at. It really shows that. Uh, you know, Strowman, while while a talented artist, can put together some very grotesque faces. Um, and also, with the yellow background, it's it's easy to confuse this one <laughs> with what we got last month. Yeah. It just feels like more of the same of that. And, uh, yeah, just never been a fan of it. It's always like one of those, like, afterthought covers. It's, uh, yeah, not not a favorite of mine. Not a favorite. No, and that, that yellow brick wall, the way it's... The way it's done, it's. I normally like a yellow and orange cover kind of mm-hmm. thing. This, it, it, it's it's hard to look at because your your eye is just drawn all over the place. Um, yeah, there's nothing necessarily to focus on, and there's a lot of black. There's just. Yeah, it's, it's not, very muddy. Yeah, it's very muddy, and every like like you said here, every color on this thing clashes with with whatever is next to it. It's a yeah. uh, just a very uncomfortable cover to look at. Very unpleasant. Yeah, so let, let's move on. The story begins right where the last issue left off. Jamie Madrox's bullet-ridden corpse is on the sidewalk. 
police and media have arrived at the scene are now broadcasting live. Yeah, and uh, we meet a reporter named Ariel, which is also Peter David's daughter's name. Um, and uh, I did a little uh, – as I remember he would talk about her, and uh, right now she's a fully grown human and uh, teaches school, which makes me feel even older than I felt five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> it's worth noting that Peter David will also write the uh, Little Mermaid comic series from Disney Comics in 92. So uh, I'm guessing the name Ariel might have had some sort of significance uh, to him. It certainly sounds like that. I didn't know any of that. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that that is pretty interesting. So watching the TV broadcast is Val Cooper. Once she hears the location where they're broadcasting from, she screams out, Mad Rocks. Quicksilver runs into the room. And she tells him that Jamie's the house Jamie's been house sitting at is on is where the news team is, and he must be dead. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, in this scene. Um, I get the impression that Larry Stroman wants us to understand that Val Cooper is very attractive. Mm-hmm. She's pictured full profile wearing a short skirt, really shows off her legs, pictures the focal point of the page, surrounded by dark images, and you, you can't help but look at her. Oh, so yeah. I, your eye is definitely drawn to uh, to Val and, and especially her uh, her physique. Um, yeah. And I, I, I always got the impression that she was, you know, uh, sort of like uh, – Oh, a, a witchy bombshell, maybe, uh, or or just a, a bitchy bombshell. Uh, uh, kind of the, you know, the classic, you know, I think in anime they call it a sundari or something, where it's the the girl that's kind of like a tough nut to crack, but underneath it all is is you know really a big softy. I think that's kind of the stereotype they go with with Val. Um, about this scene, I think it's cute that you know Quicksilver bursts into the room. Finds out that Madrox is dead, and he's like, ah, must be a slow news night. He totally brushes it off like like the the death of one of his teammates is just no big deal. Yeah, you really do get, start to get the feel that that Quicksilver arrogance oh, yeah. um, that he, he he's well known for. In the, you, you do get that in this scene for sure. For sure. So next we cut to the rest of the team. They're working out in a gym that turns out to be Guido's mansion. And Guido's telling Alex how his parents were frugal, denied themselves the enjoyment of any of their own money, and they were crushed by a satellite. Mm-hmm. He inherits their fortune and gets a huge settlement when they die. And he he's vowed that he wants to enjoy life. He's going to not do what they did and use this money to, to buy happiness. Sure, sure. And uh, it's going to be a little ways down the line, but we're going to learn a whole lot more about, uh, you know, Guido's formative years and his origin. Uh, That'll be coming up after the Executioner song crossover. So we we have a little time to get to that, but uh, it'll be like a a kind of a slow boil um, to where we're going to get little bits and pieces of Guido, his insecurities, his uh, just his uh, just, you know, getting inside his head, really. And it'll finally all, you know, bubble to the top. Uh, following the executioner song and that's definitely an issue i'm really looking forward to discussing now will he be sort of a i don't want to say benefactor because they're a government team but will he sort of will his wealth be part of the story as it goes along i don't believe so i okay. don't believe so uh because uh we'll we'll, we'll we'll yeah we'll get there <laughs> so there's something else on this page that it's just I don't know. It's odd. <laughs> they're, they're not alone in this gym. 
there's a very small, very attractive woman in a yellow bikini walking on Guido's back. Mm-hmm. He eventually calls her Babette, and she's massaging him somehow by walking on his back. But she just looks so weird in these pictures. That's it's almost hard to look at because it looks like. It, like a color form was put on the fi- the page or something like that. Very uncanny. Yeah, it's it looks like it doesn't belong. Um, it, it's very very strange, and it is it, like you can't help but look at it because it is just so out of left field. It just yeah. doesn't look like it belongs there for sure. So we get through that, and then suddenly Lockjaw, Quicksilver, and Val Cooper teleport into the room. Val barely gets the words Jamie Madrox out of her mouth. And the whole team teleports to the crime scene where they start taking charge. And it's funny here because Val has been, as we mentioned here, she's like this, you know, sophisticated, you know, she is uh, all business all the time. And here we have her coming in on Lockjaw's, on Lockjaw's back and then bucked off. So she yeah. lands with like a oof and like her <laughs> legs are up in the air and it's just very unbecoming of uh of Val Cooper and uh, we don't often get to see her in like any sort of a slapsticky sort of role like this. Um, you know, just a few segments ago or just a segment ago, actually, uh, we uh, looked at Val Cooper in X-Men number two and, uh, she's referred to there as a doctor, first of all, which I wasn't aware. I forgot all about. And, uh, she's also a part of the decision-making process regarding launching a nuke adjacent bomb <laughs> toward asteroid M. So, Wow. Very important uh, person in the not only in the the books but in the world, and uh, here we get to see her uh, her sillier side, and and it uh, is it's refreshing in a way to see her sort of fitting in with the team, even though she's not intending to. Right, it it, it does feel like they're trying to take her down a peg a bit, for sure. You know, because she, she's not a mutant, she's not a superhero, she's the government. Yeah, she's and the here she is, she ends up on her behind. Yep. So now we're at the crime scene, um, and X-Factor, they're going to work. Lorna, or Polaris, is using her powers to move news reporters out of the way. Alex lifts lifts up the blanket and says it is indeed Jamie. Quicksilver and Val Cooper are promising ven- vengeance when all of a sudden Jamie shows up. Yep. <laughs> now, there's a joke here where the ambulance driver asks Ask it, asks Alex if he knows the guy after he identifies him. And Alex's witty comeback is that he looks like likes to look at random dead bodies and say, it's Jamie, all right. <laughs> to which the driver replies, well, it beats, beat, it beats collecting comic books. Mm-hmm. Now, I read this, and it did make me laugh. I, I chuckled anyway. But I can't help but think that Peter David was kind of getting a dig in it like speculators or or you know fans who take things too seriously mm-hmm. uh, i don't know when you look at it two or three times it ends up being feels like he's being a little snobby you know i, I i'm with there i'm right there with you i did chuckle too but you're you're 100 percent right this is a maybe a little too cute um but it, it, I tell you something, I, I appreciate it more coming from pre- Peter David than I would if someone tried cramming a line into like a current year comic, you know, about like the meta comic things. Um, 
then again, you know, we are oddly less self-aware of speculation nowadays. I, I don't know that the biz wants to kill. Well, I don't want to call them the golden goose, but maybe like the copper goose of variant cover <laughs> speculation. Uh, they don't want to draw too much attention to it. Otherwise, it's going to, you know, poof, vanish. Um I, I do love the uh, the Jamie fake out where he like it's like we're we're gonna we're gonna get whoever did this and Jamie's like yeah we are it's like dude we're talking yeah. about you yeah that <laughs> joke that one worked much better that one yeah it, that feels like the kind of joke that well one you could do too much with Jamie and Radarox but here it just it fits nicely because there was all the tension of the way he was yeah shot and For then sure. you know obviously we're worried about him and then he shows up and you know it yeah it's an obvious gag but it, it does yeah. work it is funny and and after that like they all like yell at him like you know what are you doing here and he has to like apologize for not being dead which is funny yeah it is that i i agree completely that that one works where and the other one the other joke yeah because it's peter david and it's not you know joe comic book writer who's hired yeah you know, <laughs> off the street. So maybe snobby is not the right word, but it's definitely a dig. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's, it's a little, little peek behind the curtain for sure. So now they've just yelled at Jamie, but before we get an answer of what's going on and how he's alive in two different places, we cut to a very pale dude with purple hair, wearing a purple jumpsuit and purple gloves, complaining there are too many mutants. He's talking to himself as though, the mutants is <clears throat> talking to himself. And when he's through mutant, there won't be a single mutant left. There'll be no match for, for professor Vic Chalker. Now mm -hmm. I have no idea who this is to me. He looks a little bit like tombstone. Yeah. A bit Spider-Man. Um, but it, like I said, I, he's not familiar in the slightest to me. To my knowledge, this is his first appearance. Um, He's really not going to make all that much of an impact. Um, he just seems like a very cliche sort of bog standard, you know, I hate mutants. We're going to get rid of all the mutants. It's the stuff that we see maybe a little too often in the X-Books. Um, mm -hmm. Just seems like a uh, an attempt at, uh, at, at putting a, a super baddie on here. And uh, he kind of sucks. <laughs> he's not okay. going to do a whole heck of a lot. Now he he doesn't look. I mean, I get that he's human, but his 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 skin is very pale. Mm. Is he super powered villain? I mean, I assume we'll come to find out. He's going some, to. Yeah, he's he's gonna. We're gonna see a lot of him in like mechanical suits. Um, okay. So he, I think he's kind of just like an eccentric sort of scientist kind of guy. Uh, keeping in mind, it's been a very long time since I've revisited this, and I and I've fought the urge to to read ahead. So, okay, for for all I know, he could be uh, he could be you know the next big thing, but I don't think he, he is. He does appear to be sort of a mad genius kind of yeah uh, villain. He's surrounded by you know design boards and equipment and the chemistry set. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. I I'm I'm gonna look I'm looking forward to seeing what 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 that is. For sure, for sure. Yeah, he's definitely got some machinations, and uh, and we will we'll find out what they are very soon. So then we go back to the X Factor team, the living and dead Jamie Madrox, and Jamie explains that the apartment he was in, somebody knocked on the door. He made a duplicate of himself to answer the door while he hid behind it. Obviously, we didn't see that in the last issue. Yeah. So it was the dupe 
that ends up getting shot. He then creates another dupe to chase the shooter, but there's no one there. He then decides to wait in the crowd until X-Factor shows up, taking for granted that they would show up, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) He then, after he tells his story, he goes to absorb... I don't know if mm-hmm. that's what we want to call it. I think so. Resorb, or resorb, resorb yeah. Uh, yeah, resorb. The duplicate of himself that's a corpse, and he can't. And he doesn't mm-hmm. understand what's going on. This this is going to come up a couple more times in this issue where he's questioning what his duplicates are. Are they soulless humanoid duplicates of himself like he always thought? Or are they completely different humans with their own thoughts and experiences? Mm-hmm. And I... This this is a neat idea, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I know they talked, they did some of this with uh, in the Legion of Superheroes with Triplicate Girl and Duo Damsel. Okay. Uh, and it it, it it had long-lasting impact, I think, on the Legion, or at least on mm-hmm. that character. Sure. Personally, I never read it. I just happened to know about it. Gotcha. This, gotcha. this seems interesting. Like, this could be, they could do some neat things here with this. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this as well. Uh, you know, Jamie, uh, he, this is very much a comic-y comic book, you know, a comedy sort of comic book. And Jamie especially doesn't get a whole lot of opportunity to show a more dramatic side, at least to this point. Um, and also, this really illustrates him as being quite naive to his own abilities. Uh, if we go back to Jamie's, you know, origins here, allegedly he, he duplicated when the, the doctor smacked him on the butt when he was born, which kind of goes against everything the mutants <laughs> we know about mutants because usually it it comes at you know puberty age but uh, mm-hmm. uh you know, we we allow it with jamie because it's a silly thing so we we even if he's been able to do this for his entire life he doesn't quite understand uh his limitations and i do love that you know he was like this is no big deal and he, he assumed that it would just be you know pop snap resorb the dupe you know and everything would be cool and he is like almost like broken to find out that he that it doesn't quite work that way. Um, that being said, this is going to be something that's going to happen semi often with Jamie after this. Uh, this sort of a situation, and uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, this the fake out deaths of multiple men are, are going to happen. They're going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I, I get that because, I mean, really, how much can you do with somebody who, who just yeah. makes duplicates? But if yeah. they if they explore it in a way and kind of, you know, put put some drama behind it, but yeah. still keep the character light, it, it could work. It could work well. I mean, it could be a nice ongoing thing for this book. For sure. Yeah, it, it definitely adds layers to the character. Um and, you know, we get into like, you know, is he is there like any sort of a psychological guard in him where he's, you know, trying not to think about this? You know, when when he when a, he sends a dupe to die, what kind of guilt does he feel for that? Uh, especially if you start thinking about like, are all these things do all these things have souls? Do all these dupes mm-hmm. have souls? Um, later, uh, when Peter David comes back to this character in the mid to late 2000s, um like the first issue of I think it was the first issue of the Madrox miniseries, uh Jamie's like calling all of his dupes back who he sent all around the world to like get knowledge. Like one was like a Buddhist monk, you know, and they would all come back and he would get all this information, which, you know, huh. tells you that they had they all had different experiences. They all had different interests. 
and it really adds that weird layer of like you know if you believe in a soul or not it's just like all of these duplicates either have a piece of his soul or have souls of their own mm-hmm. and uh you know what kind of what kind of guilt here does Jamie feel for sending this poor dupe to answer the door and get riddled full of holes it's uh it, it definitely leads and lends to uh to a brand new dynamic for the character and so many interesting dramatic possibilities yeah definitely and it, it you know cuz you could get to the point where like how could he be a superhero if if he doesn't have the ability to to, you know, send the dummy over here to draw sure. fire so the rest of the team can do this or that. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. David, Peter David, I know, can explore the, the psychological side oh, of characters. Absolutely. Unlike anybody else. Oh, absolutely. Because so. around the same time here, or actually in a few months' time, he's going to do that, uh, that issue of Hulk where – where like the three different versions of the Hulk are like melded into one. And there's this big battle inside of his mind. And yeah, Peter David's good at this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, so, this is, this is definitely got uh, possibilities. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what happens here. So we leave, we cut away from the crime scene and we cut to a shadowy figure in a very large chair, watching Val Cooper answer questions on TV. Another person comes into the room and they have a conversation man admonishes his guest saying they they need to be thorough and he indi- indicates that quicksilver was first madrox was second and the rest will come one by one mm-hmm. so these may be the people a behind what's going on and by behind what quicksilver talked about in the previous issue yep. when he was saying that it, somebody messed with his powers so I'm guessing that's who we're looking at here, even though we don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, one thing that's it's kind of funny that when I was reading this, the the guy in the chair is clicking through the TV, and we get this close-up of a purple-faced bull, and he says, <laughs> don't have a cow, man. And I get the Simpsons reference there, but yep. if this purple bull is supposed to be something that – we're supposed to recognize i sure don't know what it is same here same here I, it was lost on me that it was supposed to be something um unless it was just uh, I, I don't even know if you can call it a pun I, if, you, if you see a cow and just say cow is that a pun i don't know yeah um, it, <laughs> yeah if there's a joke there other than you know this being the, the the 90s and the simpsons are the biggest thing since sliced bread yeah i don't know what the joke is other than that that's yeah almost almost gotta be um i I do like speaking of jokes here uh val cooper is being uh chatted up by uh ariel the reporter and uh peter david can't resist the urge to drop a pretty bad joke in here um you know they're watching jamie like just you know crack down here and the uh, and ariel goes you know what's 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 wrong with him you know what's going on with him and val goes he was he says he's beside himself Oh boy, it's it's worth noting here. Uh, if you look at the crowd that gathered to watch this all uh, like just roll out, got some weird people in the crowd here. We got like a chef. We got like a dude in a Garfield, like an Odie t-shirt. Not even a Garfield t-shirt, but an Odie t-shirt. Uh, it's like a guy with a cricket bat. It's a, a, a guy with like an oar. It's just such a weird collection of people. I think there's a is either a sumo wrestler or a dude with like just a giant pink shirt. It's a very, very weird group of people here to watch this all uh, this all play out. 
it feels almost like a Sergeant Pepper's album cover <laughs> type thing. <laughs> like does, I'm yeah. supposed to look at this and know who all these characters are or what they're referencing or whatever. Like there's even a guy in the background looking right at the reader pointing. So, <laughs> but I don't know what's going on here. Me either. Me are they either. characters I, from other comics? Maybe I don't get it. And there's one, there's, there's like one girl wearing like this odd top hat with, and she's wearing bunny slippers. And it almost makes me think like I should recognize her from like a vertigo comic or a proto vertigo comic or something, but <laughs> I just can't place her. It's a, it's very, very weird, and the perspective here is just all over the place. Uh, there's people who look big. There's people who look small. It's it's more of that color form sort of stuff here. It's very weird. It, it is very reminiscent of that scene I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. with that little uh, masseuse. Yeah, the masseuse in the bikini. Because, yeah, they're, they are weird posed. Yeah, it's it's just an <laughs> odd panel. Very but much. But that, that beside himself joke, that is pretty funny. It is. It is. <laughs> so we move on back with the team and Val tells them there's going to be a press conference to formally introduce them um, as X-Force. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of back and forth. Alex doesn't want to play nice. We get a reminder that Quicksilver is using his powers and it's killing him because he's speed reading books. Yeah. Uh, Guido gets told he has to pick a name for himself, which now that I've read this issue, it, it, it does end up being pretty funny at the end. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, there's some more talk with uh, Val and Jamie on the duplicate stuff, which which is good. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, this is a I, I do love that, you know, this whole time we've been doing this. Or, I mean, it's been two two issues. Alex has been conflicted the entire time where it even took like them. It took them, you know, bringing in his brother and his old his old mentor to to like get him on on board here. It's uh, it, it's cool how you know he's he's sort of giving a little bit, but then they're like, okay, well, no, now we need more. You know, it's not only you part of us, but you you are working for the government, and and he uh, it, it seems like it's almost something. He's okay with being part of the team, but he doesn't want everything that comes with it, and uh, I, I do like that conflict within him. He he does definitely seem to to buck at this leadership role that mm-hmm. he's going to be in. Um, he 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 doesn't like it. It is good conflict. You're right because he yeah. does step up when he has to. So it bring brings us right into the next scene where he he's upset and he takes off. Lorna follows him, and then Rain follows both of them. Yeah, and Lorna wants to talk about the relationship. Um, Alex is kind of short with her, but he doesn't, he doesn't send her away. So there, there is something there Mm -hmm. as they're walking along, they come across a building that's on fire. They help the firefighters rescue all the people in the building. And once everyone's safe, the two of them kiss. Yep. Meanwhile, rain is watching all this and is obviously not pleased about it. No, no, she still has that odd emotional link to Alex following the uh, the extinction agenda. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to mention is uh, as they're walking before the fire, they do like that very weird and almost uncomfortable, like getting to know you sort of stuff here. And uh, I remember the first time I read this, it, it kind of blew my mind that this was like in a superhero comic because <laughs> uh, like you can tell that, 
you know, some time has passed for these two. And uh, maybe they're not exactly the same people they were when they were together. And you get like these weird, like surface level, superficial questions where it's like Alex finally gives in and he's like, Okay, well, let's learn about each other. What's your favorite author? Okay, well, what, what's your favorite movie? And, and they, they ask these silly questions, and they answer them to each mm-hmm. other, which uh, I always just loved that scene. Um, we're going to, I mean, uh, clearly, we're going to get a lot more Alex and Lorna moving forward. But uh, I, I did like this as sort of like that odd, uncomfortable icebreaker, because I feel like I feel like it's a uh, it's something that resonates in a lot of people, uh, whether you're on a blind date, whether you're, you know, reconnecting with someone you haven't been with in a while. You have that weird settling in period. And uh, I think it played out really, really nicely here. It's it's almost written like season two of a sitcom where the two main characters get back together after breaking up. And, you know, they 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 do. It's almost like light conversation, but it's not for the two characters. Yeah. And you're right. It it does make their relationship, whatever state it's in, Mm -hmm. feel real. Like it adds some emotion to their relationship other than, you know, they're both, you know, he's got a lot of angst and she does love him. But there's depth there. For sure. There's dialogue for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And this this stuff with Rain, the the panel, you know, where she's staring at him from around the corner of this building, and her the the text box is like icicles. Yeah. It's yep. really well done. I mean, there's nothing there other than a picture and a humph, and mm-hmm. you know exactly what she's feeling at this moment. I mean, it's a nice big piece of the page, but you can tell she's seriously upset. Her the wheels in her mind are just whirling. Oh yeah. Uh, it, this soap opera. I said it in the last episode. This soap opera part of the story. I, I I'm really. I think I'm really gonna enjoy. It's probably. It, it'll probably be your favorite part of this because it is. Ju- it is so good. Um, yeah. Rain as a character, um, especially in this at this era is just like she's very very self-conscious but she has this like odd pull to you know like the coolest guy on the team and it's it's just very it's like wholesome but kind of demented at the same time and mm-hmm. uh by, by by no fault of her own she has that weird you know emotional bond to him but i i think up until it, it pays off it's going to be a fun ride and so she back in the early new mutants. She was one of the characters I really liked. Mm-hmm. She was kind of the character that was strong, but also needed. She didn't need to be saved. I don't want to say that, but she, she needed help emotionally, yeah. right? That the rest of the team really pitched in with her. Like they always, you know, she was, she was such a good character and, a vital member of that team. I don't know. She was still kind of like the little sister. Yeah, exactly. It's the little sister that everybody wants to defend. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the perfect way to to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm liking where that's going for sure. So then, then we cut to the, the press conference. Um, they're all introduced with their superhero code names. 
Multiple Man, Polaris, Havoc, Wolfsbane, Quicksilver. Guido's not on stage yet. And <laughs> they're telling him to come out. Um, he thinks he's uh, ridiculous looking in because the, they're, they're wearing their costumes now. Um, he comes out and the reporter ends up naming him or, you know, he calls himself strong guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a joke about every hero, every te- superhero team needs the strong guy or whatever. Um, and it, it, it works well. I mean, he, uh, what else are you going to call him? Bulk, you know, big guy. <laughs> you can't call him juggernaut. So yeah, he, he can't be the Colossus either. So, right. So yeah. the, the thing that's notable here is that everybody's in their, you know, blue and yellow costumes, except Quicksilver. He's still got his, his, you know, light blue, white lightning bolt yeah. um, costume. He's got to be, you know, a, not the team player guy, I guess. He's a nonconformist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then the issue ends. They're taking questions from the reporters, the crowd. Man steps up and says he wants to know who the imposter is because he's Jamie Madrox, the multiple man. Mm-hmm. So we get another Jamie Madrox cliffhanger here. We do. Uh, that it makes me want to buy the next issue again. For sure. You know, there's, sure. there's, there's been drama built up about Jamie all through this issue. And now I want to, I really want to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, we started the issue with zero Madroxes, and we're ending it with two. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really cool stuff here. Um, about Strong Guy, uh, you know, I feel like, like we mentioned, like Peter David has like that legitimacy. Uh, he can get away with things, and I think he might be one of the few to get away with calling a guy Strong Guy without it looking like totally cringy and totally, you know, LOL meta. Um, I feel like if that happened nowadays, I would just like throw the book across the room. But with uh, but Peter David, he does it with like a certain charm, and and, and it works for me. Um, I know, agree. Quick, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's just a. It feels just the way Peter David writes. It's calling someone strong guy is just not outside the realm of possibilities. <laughs> It's yep. a thing. Um, now, Quicksilver's like lack of conformity. It's going to be kind of a running gag for a bit. Um, he'll eventually conform, but uh, not for a little while. And uh, after that, it's like it's kind of like, you know, uh, you prime the pump and all of a sudden he starts changing costumes every few years and they get worse and worse and worse every time. Um, I, I guess like they wanted him to be more in line with the movie and then. There was that all new X factor that came out a few years ago where he had like that ugly yellow costume. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's going to be a, it's going to be a roller coaster ride of fashion for uh, Pietro <laughs> Maximoff, but, uh, but it'll be a little while before he, you know, drops the baby blues. So there's that. I do agree with you that the way Peter David writes the dialogue, it's, there's not too much of it, mm-hmm. but there's just enough to really develop the scene it's Mm -hmm. it's very well written that way so yeah naming the goofball character strong guy yeah it it works the way he writes it for sure definitely definitely so just my final thoughts on this Mm -hmm. um the way strong guy gets his name and some of the other stuff in this comic i feel like peter david's poking fun at superheroes a little bit superhero yeah. comics and comic fans but not necessarily in a 
in a bad way, more yeah, like it's not mean almost satire, yeah. but sure. not quite. Yeah. It's not like um the Grant Morrison's The Boys where he wants oh, to write a Garth, comic yeah, to talk Garth about Garth Ennis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Garth Ennis. You know, how much he hates superheroes. That's not what this is. This is <laughs> yep. just you know, trying to write a good story, but also, you know, there's a little bit of a little poke. You know yeah, what I mean? I, it's it's very self aware. It's yeah. uh it's self aware and not not the uh not the Garth Ennis or Warren Ellis uh, you know, uh, poking the reader themselves saying, hey, you're stupid for buying this, um, yeah. which is the impression I, I get sometimes when I read Warren Ellis's work. It's like, wow, he's he's making fun of me for spending money on something he wrote. That's that's not cool. Yeah. But uh, but Peter David, uh, you could tell it's being done with with a love of the uh, of the genre. And uh, again, I am projecting, but I mean, it feels just like he has a an admiration and respect for for superhero comics and he's just you know having a good time with it yeah yeah exactly he's having a good time it feels like we get two villains or well maybe three villains but two villains in this book and it, it, it very introduced in a very james bond kind of way to me <laughs> um they even do the the super villain monologue yep. Um, yep. which was it, it's clever it's you know it's 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 something you want in a superhero comic, but it's not overdone. It isn't. It's just the right amount of serious versus silliness. Yeah, because they uh, were just one pagers. Uh, they were yeah. one page aside, little little cutaways where, um, you know, you can do something that is a little overblown, just so long as it doesn't overstay its welcome. And and these were these were two little little side things, just two little meanwhiles that were one page each. So yeah, I'm with you. It was a it's a decent way to make a make a subplot bubble a little bit to get us to the next part. Mm-hmm. It's good. The, the the book ends with another good cliffhanger um, that really kind of builds on what he exploring Jamie's story mm-hmm. through, that he did through the whole issue. Um, I liked it. Uh, yeah. There's some there's some good character development here. That uh, not a lot happens per se. I mean it's. Mm-hmm. He's still just building up the the team. The team is just introduced yeah. in the last three pages, so he's still building. But it doesn't feel too slow. No, uh, it doesn't. Over over two issues here, um, and like I said before, the, the soap opera and the love triangle, it, it, it so far it really works. I, I think oh, it's for sure. Fun. Absolutely, yeah. The the triangle is is a lot of fun, and, it, and it'll continue to be. And uh, and it's it, the, the cool thing about it is that none of them are bad guys. Um, usually when you have like a love triangle, it's like you might have the one who is kind of antagonistic um, mm-hmm. where we don't really get that here. We have uh, we have the two, you know, unrequited lovers and we have Rain who uh, who just feels like she belongs with one of them. And it's uh, it, it's it, it's definitely very well done. And it's uh as overt as it is, there is some subtlety to it, and it's. Uh, I, I think we're gonna have a really good time with it. It's the more I, I when I when I reread this, um, it's been many many years since I read this, and uh, I don't remember where it's headed, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so often, you know, and I'm sure you're the same way. When you have these runs of comics that you love so much, you wish you could actually read them again for the first time. You know, oh, it's sure. like. 
like anytime I see someone picking up, you know, say the the Morrison uh, Doom Patrol for the first time, or or uh, you know Elf Quest for the first time, uh, and I, I I'm just so jealous, I'm envious that they get to experience it for the first time, and uh, with this project here, I'm being afforded the odd opportunity to revisit things that I've read a few times that I don't remember a bit of, yeah. so. It's like I kind of get to eat my cake and have it too here where this all feels very nostalgic and it feels like I'm going home. But at the same time, I don't know where it's going. So uh, I'm just like uh, everybody listening. If, if you're as uh, you know forgetful as I am, um, we're going to be experiencing this almost for the first time together. So uh, I'm looking forward to every twist and turn. Uh, the, the James Bondian villains here don't know where that's heading. And I'm just looking forward to uh, to the ride. Yeah, and, you know, he he sets up a lot of questions here. Yep. You know, who's the real Jamie? Who's who's Vic Chalker? Mm-hmm. Um, what is really happening with the duplicates? And, like, back to the love triangle, there's no character that you're rooting for and against because they're True. all good characters. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to you, – you can – no matter how it ends up, as long as they're not all dead – <laughs> as a reader you're generally a winner you know what yeah. i mean because mm-hmm. you like if you like all the characters oh, so yeah, it's yeah. a best case scenario because you're going to feel happy for whoever gets together and you're going to feel bad for who doesn't so you're gonna we're gonna get to experience all of the emotions for this yeah. love triangle instead of just like you know the one who doesn't get it it's like ah we didn't like them anyway but uh we we do like rain and uh rain is a, a big part of this team and a big part of this franchise so no matter what happens we win so it's a good thing yeah and now so i'm two issues into this series that i've never read Mm -hmm. and each issue so far it finishes up and i can't wait to read the next one because the he ends it on a you know such a a good note that like if i were buying this off the newsstand i'd be there in 30 days you know what i mean oh yeah yeah no this is this is wonderful stuff um i think and this is this is an observation I might have made last time, but I think X Factor might have aged the best out of the core X Men books, um, because it, it feels like it could be it, this could be written today. Um, it does a timeless feel to it. It's evergreen, um, and it, it's just good storytelling. Um, yeah, it's just such good stuff. And just like you, I can't wait to uh, to get to the next issue and uh, and and keep barreling on. Yeah, and you know that you say it's evergreen. It, the book doesn't have a '90s feel to it like no, I thought it, it might have, mm-hmm. um, and that's a big testament to Milgram's art, but also the, Peter David's dialogue. He's not it, the story isn't in that time, yeah. isn't isolated to that time. For sure, but for sure. It reading it now, 20 years later, whatever. It's it isn't. It's still enjoyable, just because it's a good story. Definitely, definitely is here. And uh, you know, that's our story. There is a letters page here, but we're not going to dig into it um, because it's not really referencing anything we covered on the show just yet. Uh, we will eventually start looking at the letters pages just so we can reflect on things that we've covered here. But I think they're still talking about the Protasio stuff. Uh, yeah, it's still, point. it's still positive letters. Um, from the last story arc and everything and mostly positive comments. I did look through it, but Mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing worth 
note noteworthy really yeah because it's it might as well have been a completely different book at that point um which you know basically was i mean there's some mention of a uh, uh, issue 68 which is uh when cable when, when cyclops sent cable to the future or who well that's a spoiler sorry he sent his baby <laughs> to the future uh who may or may not be be cable um and uh, there's some stuff about uh number 69 number 70 70 maybe should have been like a zero episode of this program because it, it's kind of where all the dominoes fall into place uh, and uh, they try to figure out you know it was in the after the Muir Island saga and uh, they had an island full of mutants for like the first time ever yet all the characters together and uh, Beast turns to Professor X and he's like what are you going to do with all these X-Men you know and uh, <laughs> and then you know dun 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 here comes the new the new uh, the new colors you know the, the the blue and the gold and the uh, and the new all new X-Factor and X-Force and uh, just a real uh Real nice way to say goodbye to what came before, and I, I do believe Peter David actually wrote that issue. Uh, that wasn't a uh, that wasn't a Claremont issue, even though it was kind of bidding adieu to uh, to the Claremont gotcha. era. Yeah, but uh, we do have some ads. We have some advertisements here that uh, you know, it's a lot of the stuff is very similar uh, to yeah. what we usually get um, this uh, in this time frame here. I think there might even be some repeats here but uh one ad in particular here uh for you know when i first picked this up it feels very heavy and uh, that kind of struck me as odd because i didn't expect it to be an oversized book and it's not uh it's just that the middle eight pages are super glossy and thick and uh they wasted these glossy pages on ads which is very very weird um when i, when I was reading this and i and i got i, I agree it did feel heavy Mm-hmm. And I got to these middle pages, and I'm looking through it. I, ex- I almost expected it to be a a poster or okay or sure. something, because why would you have the high quality paper for just <laughs> ads in the middle of this book? Makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's insane. And but one of them is a very strange ad that I only remember seeing around this time, and it's. Uh, it's for the wham. And uh, we're not talking about George Michael and the other guy. Uh, we're talking about the wild agents of Marvel. And it's a, a club for the few, the proud, and the wild. Uh, were you, were you I'm, I'm guessing you weren't a part of this, but were you ever a part of a, uh, of a fan club? Uh, I was. I w- really? I was in, my brother and I, when we were kids, were in a Star Wars fan club. Okay, uh, okay. And what what was, kind of loot did they give you? Well, the only, there was a membership card. Um, we might have had a glossy po- photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing I remember the most because I still have it, and it's actually sewn on to my convention bag. It's an Empire Strikes Back logo patch. Oh, nice! So it's, you know, it's the title with the Star Wars around it. It's a black rectangle. Um, and for when I was a kid, I, I, I collected patches a little bit. Okay. My, my dad would travel and he'd bring back a patch from wherever he had gone. Um, and then we started buying them on the camping trips we took. Okay. So I had this patch as a kid and it was probably in my little tiny desk for forever. <laughs> and it's just something I never threw away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was in a, in a fan club and that's the fan club that had, um, Bantha Tracks was the newsletter. Okay. Uh, 
So you did get a newsletter, I don't know, twice a year or something. And it probably fizzled out. At least I don't remember it happening between Empire and Jedi. So it was probably up until Empire and Mm -hmm. sometime after that. So, yeah, I was in a fan club. How about how about yourself? Uh, I was only in like a Nintendo fan club. Um, okay. Where this was um, this was probably boy probably eighty nine ninety ninety one ish. So it was a little bit past like the patch uh, time. So they sent like a, an enamel pin uh, okay. that I think I wore on my on my you know dungaree jacket or something back then. <laughs> probably right under my Batman pin because uh, I was a. Uh, the uh, the nerdiest punk kid you'd ever want to see, um, <laughs> but uh, that was the only club I was a part of, and you know I really didn't pay attention because all I wanted was the damn pin. Um, like the newsletter might have come once or twice, and then never again, and I never even noticed that it didn't that it stopped coming. I just wanted the gotcha. pin, and I got it. So it's a uh, it, fan clubs are, are an interesting thing that we just you know they're, they're, that just doesn't exist anymore because I mean we really don't need it so much. It's a uh, Everything we want is within our grasp at all times now. So uh, right. it, it was very, very special for the time, you know, waiting at the mailbox for whatever might show up. Right. I mean, because it, it, at the time, it was the only way. Well, not the only way, but it was a way that these companies or, you know, entertainment groups mm-hmm. could share information about their niche thing. Sure. You know, I mean, it's not like everybody was going to Walden books and buying 15 different magazines on star (laughs) Wars that it just didn't happen. (laughs) The one thing I did know about this Marvel fan club is you get all the, the normal stuff, a badge, a certificate, a newsletter, Mm -hmm. but it mentions several times a catalog you're going to get. They love this catalog. And it, to me, it, it feels like we're, you're, you're joining the fan club to get a catalog to buy more crap. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. And it's funny because I was looking here and they explain, they describe some of the things in in your catalog here. Um, like uh, you can get the uh, flexi disc recording of the original Marvel bullpen, which he, features the voices of Stan Lee and lots of members of the 1960s bullpen. Now, this isn't what you get. This is what you get access to buy. Yeah. Um, other items include a limited edition, high quality, Wild Agents of Marvel watch with a leather band and a dial made of 22 karat gold layered over 0.999 fine silver. Uh, the official satin Marvel jacket, which has to be the ult- okay, what has to be the ultimate rub out item. We're not talking about uh, Paul Abdul here. This is a oh, Punisher geez. skull eraser. <laughs> now, you can rub rub things out with a Punisher skull eraser. I mean, this is just like the kitschiest stuff here that you're paying to get access to buy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's insane. I mean, this is insane. This is like they should be paying you to take this catalog off their hands because, you know, that, what do you think that Punisher rub out eraser costs? Like $10 probably? Yeah, right. And oh. what, what what's weird about this club is there were comic shops at this time. And they're everywhere, littered with merchandise. Mm -hmm. So why they had the need to have this exclusive catalog, I mean, it it feels weird. It does. And it's just like another sign, you know. um, You know, I'm trying to look here. 
I'm not sure if this is actually um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this is actually like connected to Marvel. <laughs> um, if we look at the address here, it's in North Reading, Massachusetts, uh, which I, I suppose could be a Marvel thing here, but it just seems very, very strange, like you said here. Um, or maybe it's a sign that Marvel has always kind of wanted to do things in-house. Uh, we're just a few years away from them doing uh, doing Heroes World and even floating the idea of Marvel Marts. Where that, that's true. The, yeah, where like their books weren't going to be in your comic shop anymore. You would have to go to a Marvel Mart to buy co- Marvel comics and uh, merchandise. So maybe this was a, a, a way of testing the waters to see if that's something that could be done. I have never met anyone who has been a part of the Wham. Uh, and I don't know that anybody even remembers the Wham. Uh, I did a, I did some admittedly shallow research on it over the past few days and couldn't find a whole heck of a lot. But uh, yes, it's a very very weird thing. Uh, and yeah. It's uh, and and this is the only I don't think I ever see this ad outside of like this couple of months uh, worth of books. I don't think it ever comes back. So okay, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's I there. mean there's. There's some other interesting ads and stuff. There's a there's a Game Boy ad um, on the on that same glossy paper. Mm-hmm. Blade, so it's sports games that I I don't know why you would play sports games on the Game Boy so much. Oh but, boy, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, there's that coolometer. It was funny when you were reading that with Hero in the first episode. Yep. I I found it in this and I was looking at it, and the only comment I had on it was. Why is the metric system uncool? That that's a joke that's just not funny. It's not, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, you know, I don't know who you know. Comedy is is of course you know a subjective, but yeah, there's some things that just aren't. And yep. uh, and, and even even if the, the metric system was the coolest thing in the world or the uncoolest thing in the world here, it's not funny either way. No, it's right. just just silly. Yeah, the yeah the uh, the coolometer is uh. We'll be we'll cover the coolometer every single month we have one, so nice. there'll, there'll be one. Um, one ad that really jumped out to me that I remember from my childhood is the uh, the Boys Town National Hotline. Um, it's uh, it says we all must deal with the monster within, and it's got uh, a young young fella, uh, a shirtless young fella who looks to be in great anguish, and the Hulk is over his shoulder here, and uh, that that always disturbed me. Um, growing up here because i didn't know i like I, I guess i just didn't pay attention to the ad and i was just you know a dumb kid anyway but uh like it, it's about like calling to uh like if you're if you're overly raged or enraged or angry you would call the boys town hotline i guess i don't know what one of those people would say if or if this is just a regular sort of uh you know advice line and you know when i was going through this i, I don't recall this ad myself but it is a, you know, it, it's a it's a PSA, and it it it's certainly a service that it's targeting the people who are buying this comic for sure. Sure, sure. The the one thing that for me is why is that guy got no shirt on? It, <laughs> it's true. It, it's it's odd, but but the Boys Town organization, from what I know, mm-hmm. it, it's a good organization. So you know, maybe if it if there was some kid who did read this who called up, maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely is a better thing than not, for sure. Yeah. But there's, uh, a, there's a Wolverine uh, Nintendo game on the back, ad on the back. 
Yes. I don't remember ever playing that game, but no better place to advertise a Wolverine game than the back of an X-Men comic. Absolutely. I, I never played this one either. I, I know that I have played games with Wolverine in it, and it always annoyed me that, like, your power would drain as long as your claws were out. Like, you'd, <laughs> like any time there was, like, a, a game where you could play as Wolverine, he'd have, like, two like power sort of uh, gauges, you know, you'd have like his health and then you'd have like his mutant power one. And the mutant power one would always drain as he had his claws out. And it's like, that just doesn't seem fair. You know, just let me have the claws out and do whatever I need to do because you'd have to like retract them. Uh, You know, you have to hit select or whatever to retract them. And then you'd punch and you'd have to punch a guy like 30 times to knock him out. Whereas if you had your claws out, it's like one slash. Yeah, and uh, that always annoyed me. I, I wonder if the uh, the Nintendo game is the same way, because uh, it, it does say here, unleash your deadly claws when the going gets rough. So I assume that uh, while the going is not getting rough, you're just using your fists, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I, the one I always think of is um, the Marvel versus Capcom series. Oh, the fighting games. Yeah, the fighting one where mm-hmm. Wolverine has the drill crawl move, where okay. he flies through the air. And you know, twists almost like a fastball special kind of thing. <laughs> that that's the one I always think of, and I I liked playing Wolverine in, in that game quite a bit. Yeah, I, I I've never been good at those games, so it's oh, like I, I would <laughs> I would play like once or twice and be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, I I just had a lot of fun playing them. I wasn't very oh good sure. <laughs> but uh, that was X Factor number seventy two. Just about cover to cover. But uh, before we wrap up this segment, we got to go into the pod file. And uh, if you missed the past couple of segments, the pod file is where we're taking a little page out of our Moratory Mondays uh, sort of uh, package where uh, we cover that entire book from cover to cover. And uh, that includes the bullpen bulletin page. Uh, Usually around the center of the bullpen bulletin page, there's something called the profile, where a Marvel staffer, a Marvel editor is asked a litany of very stupid questions. And, uh, you know, I looked at them and said to myself, self, this might be fun to do to all the hosts, um, which, you know, is just a, a, a testament to uh, the, the patience of the people who work with me. It's uh, they, they, they all willingly answered these very, very silly questions. And uh, we will go through them right now uh, with uh, with Jeremiah to learn a little bit more about him. Since we did learn his origin last issue or last episode, I should say. Um, now we're going to learn some sillier stuff and, and probably some serious stuff as well uh our first question is uh what's your gig what do you do you know reading this now i answered this incorrectly so i right now i work in it mm-hmm. doing uh um system system support basically okay. operational stuff um but yeah it's i i work in it work on Very computers cool. all day long sit in front of a computer screen <laughs> now, as far as online content is concerned, uh, what is some uh, what is some past content that, or what what are you work what are you working on now? We'll start with. All right, so currently I have a blog called Comics 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 Blog, and it's a bit of a comics journal for me, mm-hmm. where I just talk about the comics that I like that I've read. Cool. In the past, a long time ago. I had a blog called Stewart's Feed Supply that was mm-hmm. taken from a, a, a painting on a postcard that I my father had sent me. Um, when I was in college, my father and I would send postcards okay. back and forth. Um, 
just as a way to keep in touch and because you know you had to pay for the phone bill back then for sure for sure a postcard was a nice little way to do that and you know he'd send me cheesecake ones and i'd send him artsy fartsy stuff from the <laughs> pet shops or whatever but there was one he sent me of a um an old feed store and the title on the thing was Stewart's feed supply so i named my blog that and uh very cool i just wrote about random stuff that you know my brother and then mother and father would read <laughs> <laughs> when about was that that was i want to say um in the late 90s oh wow well not no that's not true early 2000s my brother had a job at a a web hosting place um so he got free web pages oh very cool i got to use one of those very very cool uh what would you say are your hobbies well collecting comics (laughs) maybe right (laughs) That seems but to be I, the answer we're getting a lot on this show. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did collect toys for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Kenner released the the new Star Wars toys when the special editions came out. Oh, like late nineties. Yeah, I got okay. heavy to those. I got into the um, Toy Biz X Men figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, buying five for ten bucks at KB. Sure. Spawn toys. Got into Hot Wheels and Johnny Lightning cars for a little while. Very cool. Um, and I've also dabbled in stamps and first day covers. What's a first day cover? So when stamps are released, you can send a um, envelope with that mm-hmm. stamp on it to an address, um, and it will get postmarked with a special commemorative postmark that has the date the stamp was released um, and usually a, a, an image related to that stamp. So say, wow. um, the, say that there's going to be a stamp next year um, commemorating Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts, 400th anniversary, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a Mayflower stamp. So you can buy that stamp, put it on an envelope, send it to someplace in Plymouth, they'll use this commemorative postmark and then they send it back to you. So Mm -hmm. you have a a stamped envelope with the date that stamp was released and they call it. So it's the first day and they call it a cover. I had no idea. I never knew that something like that existed. That is, that is really cool. Um, And a lot of times there um, you can buy first day covers that will have on the left side of the envelope, a painting or an illustration. Um, wow. Like years ago, they had the 50 state birds mm-hmm. and 50 state animals. So they made a set of envelopes that had to stamp the um, postmark and then a painting of the animal or bird. And you could buy a set. And So, yeah, it's part of the stamp collecting hobby. That's crazy. I never knew anything about that. that that's really cool. Uh, now, do, you know, as this, you know, as we are into comics here, and we know that sometimes comics go up in value, or real or perceived, is that a, is there a similar, you know, are there like hot stamps? Are there are there stamps that do go up in value yeah. outside of just like the ancient, you know, hard to find stuff? Are there things that do fluctuate in, in value? Yeah, there are. Um, even in, even in modern stamps, um, mm-hmm. it's not as much because you know stamps are printed to whatever volume they can support sure. itself. Yeah. 
Um, so, but yeah, you can find um, stamps that are worth money. Like when the Mars Rover stamp came out, mm-hmm. there was a sheet produced where the stamp is in the middle, but then the sheet is a larger illustration. So it's a, you know, it's not eight and a half by 11, say it's five by seven okay. of the whole Mars Rover on Mars or whatever. And, you know, that sheet would be more th- worth more than just a 32 cent stamp on an envelope per okay. se. So it's like a showpiece. In, in, yeah, in a, exactly. In a, okay. Very cool. How about that? Now I, I learned something new. How about that? <laughs> now, uh, out of all the uh, content that you've created for the internet, what would you say is the work that you're most proud of? Right now, it's the first super blog team up piece I did on ElfQuest. Okay. And, and the original story. Um, it was so much fun to research. It was very fun to write mm-hmm. because it's a comic that has been important to me my whole life. Mm-hmm. It was my first time working with all the folks on the Superblog team up. Um, it was well received. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that piece. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, on the other side of it here, uh, what, what are some of your pet peeves? So, I, I I have a little bit of OCD tendencies. Okay. But, but one of the so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. But one pet peeve I have is when you're talking to someone and you ask them an either or question. Okay. And they answer with yes or no. So do you want pizza <laughs> or Chinese for dinner? Yes. yes. Mm, I get you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's the kind of thing that annoys most people. But it, it it is a pet peeve of mine. It it can be it can be very annoying, and I and I will admit right here that I'm guilty of doing that to my wife a lot. Oh, we all are. And my, my wife gets mad at me because I'll ask the question, she'll answer in the way that annoys me. My <laughs> eyebrows will go up, and she'll be like, "You know what I meant." <laughs> so uh, where were you born? I was born in Brooklyn, New York. We, what hospital? Uh, Brooklyn Methodist. Oh, I, th- I think I was just Brooklyn Hospital. Okay. So uh, we were close. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My, my, we lived, I was, my father's more than happy to share this story. I was conceived in Greenwich Village, Greenwich <laughs> Village, where my parents had the church at the time. And while my mom was pregnant with me, they moved to Poughkeepsie, New York, mm-hmm. um, shortly before I was born. So our doctor, my mom's doctor was still in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So when she was ready to give birth we actually we she and my father drove down to brooklyn and that's where i was born about that yeah maybe maybe your 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 you know prenatal stop in uh in poughkeepsie has something to do with your your elf quest fandom it it very well might and my enjoyment of whitman comics there you go there you go (laughs) now uh what would you say is your greatest achievement outside of creating content for this internet so I really struggled with this one, but at work, mm-hmm. um, I've mostly learned on the job. Okay. I've worked with a lot of good people and learned a lot of stuff from them. And over the years, I've had to upgrade the servers that I administer um, several times. And, you know, the first time I did it on my own um, and it went well, that's I'm pretty proud of that. I mean, it was a big upgrade for these systems and everything. And uh, so, yeah, I'm proud of that. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what would you say is your oddest habit? (laughs) Now this, 
I'm not getting blue here, but when I get dressed in the morning, I have to put my underwear on first, mm-hmm. then my T-shirt, then my socks, and the right sock always goes on before the left sock. If I do any of that in the in the, the wrong order, I just – The day is shot. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually redone it. If I take if I put the socks on in the wrong order, I take them off and put them on in the right order. You got to start all from scratch. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Oh boy. Uh, now, if there was a movie based on your life, who would play you in it? Now, my this is my wife's answer, and she mm-hmm. said Zach Galifianakis. Okay. People, people, when I was on a trip once, I had sunglasses on, kind of longer hair mm-hmm. in the the beard I have and someone said I look like Zach Galifianakis I wanted to say John Candy but my wife said he's dead so how would he play you (laughs) there you go I I, you know and I think we might have a John Candy on the show already too I (laughs) I think so I know I mentioned I know what we I had a brief discussion about John Candy at some point in this recording process so I don't know if it was a Maybe it was one of their favorite performers, or maybe it was who's going to play them in the film. Here, I'm going to have to. When I edit, I want to get everybody's everybody's actors down so we can so we can actually cast the movie of this show and see how uh, <laughs> see how that would go. Um, what did people in high school think of you? I I was a little bit of a dork. I was mm-hmm. kind of a um one. Of, I, I did well in school, so I I I would just say people thought I was a nice guy. It's the best I could come up with. That's that's really the best you can hope for in <laughs> high school. So that's not bad at all. I wasn't um, ladies' man or anything like that. So I feel you. I feel you. Um, who would you say are some of your favorite performers? Uh, that this was the easiest question to answer. So it's the Mighty Mighty Boston's okay. Bob Wool and Jethro Tull. Very cool, very cool. You know, I, I, you don't you don't hear very many, many people talk about the Boston's anymore. Uh, no. That was a. I don't know how many albums they had, but the the one that was kind of like mainstream is like one of my favorite albums uh, of all time. It's no kidding. Uh, yeah, the, the what the the impression let's that I get. It. That let's face it, that's right. Yeah, with Royal Oil and Rascal yep. King. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite albums of all time, and I think I've bought it like five times because I always lose it. And uh, I, I, I think I don't have it now. I'm pretty sure I've lost it. But, <laughs> but it was uh, definitely one of my favorites to uh, to listen to. Um, Every Christmas, they play a series of shows still mm-hmm. in Boston called the Hometown Throwdown. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I and a couple friends, we go up to Boston. We spend the couple nights at a hotel. We go to all the shows and we oh, see nice. them every year. Oh, that's awesome. That's that really fun. cool. Oh, that that is that that sounds sweet. Yeah. No, and they pray impression impression that I get that I get at every show. Nice. Very so. nice. Um, now, one of the questions that we have a lot of fun with on Moratorium Mondays, because we make fun of the pretentious editors at Marvel Comics, is uh, what's the last good book you did or didn't read? <laughs> now, my, every time I see my folks these days, they say, what are you reading? And tell them comic books because I haven't read a book in a while. But the last one I read was uh, Revival by Stephen King, and it was excellent. Is that is that a recent book? Or? Yeah, that's one of the recent ones. I want to say it came out. Uh, it's probably three years ago now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think it's I've cool. only read like like half of it, 
And that was about it from Stephen King. <laughs> I, I'm a big King fan since maybe middle school. Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Now, uh, on the other side here, what's the last good movie you saw? So, Gross Point Blank has been playing on HBO recently. Mm-hmm. I've watched that a couple times. Love that movie. Who's in uh, that? That's uh, John Cusack. Okay. He's, the, he's okay. the hitman who goes home for the high school reunion. Okay. I, th- I, I know I haven't seen it, but I think I'm familiar with the, with okay. what it was. Yeah. Great yeah. soundtrack. It's a fun movie. The the last new movie was um, Onward. On the, it's the latest Pixar movie that was put on the uh, Disney Plus. That was that good. with the brothers. Yeah, with the where every the everybody's magical. Yeah, I think I think you're like the third or fourth person who picked that. So I, I guess that's a really good movie. So that's a <laughs> well, since we're all stuck at home and you know, <laughs> this is true. I'm sure most of the people on this uh, show have Disney Plus or at least know somebody who does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was cool to watch that. It was fun. Very cool. Very cool. Now, what would you say is uh, what or who is your biggest influence on creating content for the Internet? So the answer is your blog, really. Hey! <laughs> but in order to not sound like I'm just blowing smoke here. I have a very uh, fragile I, ego, so you can blow <laughs> all the smoke you want. <laughs> well, it, it, it is your blog, and the fact that you write daily and keep posting. You're past uh, 1,400 now? Past 15. 15, yeah. 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 So that just blows my mind. And every time, every day I don't write something, I think, you know, Chris wrote something today. <laughs> long, it was good. And you didn't write anything. You couldn't write three paragraphs. <laughs> but another one is um, Peter Rios does the, uh, the Daily Rios podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he did an episode on um, – what he believes to be is good podcasting versus bad podcasting. What makes a good quality podcast. And one of the things he said was that it's very easy to talk negatively about something that's bad. Mm -hmm. The trick to be interesting is maybe come up with something positive on something that's bad or just being, constructive and i i really took that to heart so when i write um on the blog i always try to i i I don't need to write a blog saying why something's crappy for sure i want to write a blog about why i like this and whoever's reading might like it for the same reason that kind of thing Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a there was that like phase and I think it's still going on, maybe not as strong as it was, but like the angry reviewer, you know, phase that we went through where. Yeah. Like on YouTube, people would like yell at like notoriously bad movies or notoriously bad video games or uh, even, you know, those those, you know, too cute by half, you know, the 40 worst Rob Liefeld drawings ever. It's like that's easy. It's cheap. Yeah, uh, exactly. Definitely Rios has a, is an excellent point here. Um, and I mean, the next segment that we're going to go into will be a pretty bad uh, crossover between Spider-Man and X-Force. And uh, me and Mr. Bailey are going to do our damnedest to uh, to make it work uh, because we feel like, you know, I think a lot of us feel like 
no comic book creator, no creator of any sort of medium or content wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to write the worst thing on the planet today. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to blow the doors off this place and just work, write and create the worst piece of crap today. And, uh, so there is value to everything and everybody's different. So, uh, Rios is on the money there. Uh, do you remember any of the other, uh, other bits, he, other tips he gave? Um, not as well as that one, mm-hmm. uh, but that he one did really talk resonated. about, um, you know, simple things, speaking clearly, mm-hmm. um, enunciating things like that, which were all important. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I don't remember a lot of the big ones cause they weren't, they didn't stick with me quite the way that idea did. Yeah, that one that one is definitely one that would resonate, and it's uh because it is it is just so easy to forget that. Uh, the the other side of it is when he was talking about it, I was thinking, yeah, all the podcasts I like, that's what they do. They you know they they put a constructive things on their mm-hmm. spin on it, acknowledging what's negative, but not you know taking glory in it or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not uh, we're not about like tearing up issues of whatever comic and flushing them down the toilet. Right. That's, right. that's not what we do here. Uh, no. And uh, we're, we're we're talking about an era of comics that uh, people dismiss very, very quickly without even looking yeah. at them. So that is uh, definitely if, if you're out there making content, whether audio or written, uh, put uh, put Mr. Rios's uh, thoughts in your mind there where. You know, be constructive. Be be positive. Uh, if you're writing about something you don't like, maybe don't write about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every yeah. everybody has got a review about Young Blood number one. We don't need another one crapping on it. Uh, everybody has said everything that's going to be said. Um, yeah. Now, uh, what would you say is your greatest unfulfilled ambition in creating content for the internet? This was the easiest question on the list. Okay. A couple years ago, I got a complete run of my, the first Micronauts series at the a Marvel? show for thir- yep the Marvel <laughs> one for thirty bucks the okay. whole the whole thing in the annuals. And at the beginning of that summer, I said I'm going to read an issue a day and mm-hmm. then write about it. You know, not necessarily write every day, but write read one issue every day and then write about it in chunks. Sure. And it lasted about. I want to say uh, four or five weeks before I went on a work trip where I end up working 12 to 14 hours a day and collapsing mm. into bed at the end of the day. And after 13 days of or 12 days of not reading one a day, it, the, it was just gone. But yeah. if you do want to see that over at the Telltale Mind, he is doing the entire Micronauts series and doing a nice job with it. Oh yeah. Jeff is doing a uh, issue by issue on Micronauts. Yep. Yeah. So you can check that out if you're interested. I, 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 it's funny cause I had similar things before I started what I do now with Chris's on infinite earths. I've told stories before of like every year I would start a new blog and it would last like half a post every <laughs> single time because I'd run out of steam. It's a uh, blogging was just like in my blood from, you know, the mid two thousands and, it was always something I wanted to revisit eventually. And uh, like like you, I, I would come into these like like big runs of, of books that, you know, people aren't necessarily, you know, talking about like crazy, you know. Um, like I found, you know, oddly enough, we were just talking, you know, off mic about Badger, the Mike Barron mm-hmm. series. I found the entire run of Badger. 
And I had a very similar like idea that as you, it was like, I was going to do one a day and, uh, and write about it as I went along. And it lasted half a, half a page. You know, I, I read them every day, but I, writing about them was just like, I, I just didn't have the steam. And, yeah. uh, so that's definitely a very relatable, uh, sort of story. And I, I'm guessing, uh, some of the folks listening who have designs on on writing or, or creating content feel <laughs> some similar pangs or some some similar experiences at least. I'm sure. Um, now, on that same note here, uh, out of all you know the content you create on the internet, what would you say is the worst part of that entire process? That I want to write more. I okay. I I I, I have ideas in my head that I want to get down on the page but i i i'm not self-disciplined enough mm-hmm. to necessarily do it as much as i'd like to um i do like playing video games i do like watching movies sure so it's easy to say after work oh i'll write tomorrow and watch this tonight and then yeah two and a half weeks go by and i haven't written anything so that for me that's that's the worst part of it because there's a little bit of guilt with oh, that sure Sure. But I, I I don't beat myself up about it. You know, I don't want to sound like that either. But and since we've all been home the way we are now, I mm-hmm. have been writing a bit more and it is fun. I, I've enjoyed my the last right. few weeks with the things I've put up. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, the desire to, to do more. I mean, even though I, I do one thing a day, I, there's still stuff I want to write about. There's still more I want to do. And uh it, it, it like you said it comes down to time management i'm a very very poor time manager uh, uh between school and between writing it's like i find that i spend all the time doing the wrong thing uh, <laughs> so any time investment i make i i ultimately regret because i should have done the other thing and it's uh it, it's true it's true just uh having the ideas percol- percolating is uh is almost as hard as not having anything to write about at all because the, like you said, the guilt, the guilt yeah. is there because uh, you have the ideas, you have the opportunity and it's just like, it, it's, it all comes down to the discipline and I'm, I'm very much the same way uh, when, when uh, in that kind of regard there. Yeah. So one of the sillier questions that uh, the Marvel staffers were asked is uh, when nobody's looking, what do you do? So I could there's lots of goofy things you could say here, but the one thing I, I would say is when I'm at work, um, I that's where I read Go Comics and the uh, daily strips that I follow. Um, mm-hmm. I always catch up with them early in the morning after I read my email, hop over, take, you know, five minutes and look at the comic strips. Um, Very cool. What, yeah. are, what are some of your favorites? Well, it, <clears throat> I do. They, there's Calvin and Hobbes and old Garfield strips that update daily okay. um, and get fuzzy. But there's a okay. there, Adam at home is one of the funniest current strips um, hmm. and uh, pickles, which is about the um, the old husband and wife. And uh, my dad reads the comics, too, and we both like pickles. So it's it's. It's just fun to talk about with him, you know, sure. did, you, did you see the strip today, that kind of thing. Very cool, very cool. Now, we've learned plenty about you over the past couple episodes here, but uh, even with everything that I've asked you, all these silly questions here, is there anything we haven't covered that you feel the people ought to know about you? 
honestly, not much. I just like everybody know that I am a nice guy. There you go. <laughs> that works for me. I can attest to that. <laughs> he is a nice guy. Um, I think that's uh, probably all we got out of uh, out of the X Factor segment this uh, this time out. Uh, I want to thank you for hanging out this month, and uh, we will do it again next month as we get deeper into the adventure adventures of uh, our our government sponsored mutant team. Um, unless you have anything else to say, uh, we will uh, send it over to X Force. No, and I'm looking forward to the next issue, number 73, and I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else's segments. The show's a lot of fun. Perfect. Thank you so, so much, and uh, we will get you next time. Now, X-Force. Somebody wake me up from this nightmare, because I've got to be dreaming. The mutant has now begun. X-Men!